0: From him who prayed for you and who prayed that the Father's will would be done. And it was done as he hung crucified on the cross so that your sins are forgiven. And now he's risen and rules and reigns and pleads before the Father on your behalf. From him be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this evening is our gospel lesson where Jesus talks about prayer and fasting. I'm wondering tonight how many of you have had the Ikea experience. Have you been to Ikea, anybody? You know, you weave around in there for miles and miles, it seems like. You pick out your furniture, you throw it in the car in a, just a flat little box, and you get it home and you open it up, and now you know what I'm talking about. Have you been there with me, following those directions? Not long after we moved here, we bought a, piece of furniture, a number of pieces of furniture at Ikea. We bought a uh, dresser from there, and I spent hours putting that dresser together, only to find out when I was finished that I missed a piece about this big. So I had to take apart about a third of the thing and put it back together. Have you been through that Ikea experience with me? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oftentimes I have wondered why not first tell me how it's not done and then tell me how I should do it. I think they could do a better job with that design. Well, this is essentially what Jesus is actually doing in tonight's text. He is telling us how it is not to be done and then he tells us how it is to be done when it comes to prayer and fasting. And right before this, he talks about the whole idea of giving to the poor. These were three core practices of the Jewish people, and we would be wise to say that in the season of Lent, they are also three core practices of Christian people, giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. Jesus wants us to know how we can get it wrong, but also and especially how we can get it right. So just before our text, uh, tonight in verses 1 through 4, Jesus has addressed this whole idea of giving to the poor. And he makes it clear how not to give to the poor and how to give to the poor. How not to give to the poor is to make a big show out of it, to do it publicly so that everybody can see what you're doing. It's kind of like when we pass around the offering plate later in the evening tonight and you put your check face up so that the person next to you can see how much you gave, or so that the usher might be able to see that, see just how generous you are. Jesus says that's how not to give. But the right way to give, Jesus says, is to give privately or to give in secret, keeping the gift between you and God alone. Those who give the wrong way, the showy way, the public way, they already have their reward, Jesus teaches, and their reward is that people have noticed them. And that's what their reward is. But those who give the right way, the righteous way, on the other hand, their rewards are in secret, deep within a loving and growing relationship with their heavenly Father. You see, Jesus' concern here is our motivation for doing what we're doing, where our heart is. Is our heart with our Heavenly Father, or is it with ourselves? Is our heart with our Father in heaven, or is it with what others think about us? Jesus wants our giving to the poor to be deeply embedded in our relationship with God, not in our pride or in our need for some kind of immediate recognition. When we do our giving. And then Jesus goes on in our text to address the other two acts of righteousness that were so revered by the Jewish people prayer and fasting. And isn't it true here in Lent that we Christians might perk up just a little bit more readily to Jesus' thoughts on these practices? We want to do better. We want to be better prayers. We want to do better at giving up something for Lent or fasting, if you will. And so here, Jesus' comments are structured in the very same way. How not to pray and fast and how to pray and fast. And so his focus here is very similar on his teaching to giving to the poor. The wrong way to put a prayer together, Jesus says, is to be sure that others see you and hear you praying in the synagogue or out there on the street corners, showmanship again. The wrong way to put a prayer together, Jesus says, is to think that a prayer's value is in how long it is or in just the right key phrases that are repeated over and over again or in its ability to impress the people around you while you're praying. Kind of reminds me about a five-year-old in a worship service one day who was listening to this long, extended prayer up at the front. And all of a sudden, there was a pause in the prayer, and the little five-year-old from the back pew says, isn't he done praying yet? The right way to pray in your personal walk with Christ, Jesus says, is to find a room, a private room, and there speak to your Father who is in heaven. You're not going to get any applause for your prayer. You're not going to get the Intercessor of the Year award. And yet your relationship with your Heavenly Father is going to grow exponentially. It's going to go grow greatly. It's going to grow in big ways just as any relationship flourishes with a deep and rich conversation that you have. How much more so with our Heavenly Father? And then Jesus goes one step further with the right way to pray. He says, pray like this. And he gives us the prayer that we all know. He gives us the Lord's Prayer. And it's a model prayer. A prayer that in no way limits the way in which you're supposed to talk to God. It doesn't teach us the limiting way in which we pray, but rather it models the way for us to pray. It's a model prayer. Jesus says, pray like this. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And as Jesus prays with us, we hear how he places our prayer into our relationship with our Father in heaven. You notice that in the Lord's Prayer we pray with others. All the pronouns are plural. It's not I and me, it's us and we. We don't pray to a distant, unfamiliar God, but we pray to a listening, loving, protecting, providing, present Father who has all authority in heaven and yet who is very close at hand. Just today I was listening to an interview with Sally Lloyd-Jones. Sally Lloyd-Jones is the author who wrote the Children's Storybook Bible, a brilliant Bible for children, and I would say for adults too. But Sally Lloyd-Jones in this interview was telling about how she noticed that young children who are two or three years old play very, very well when mom or dad is very near, when mom or dad is close, but if you take mom or dad out of the situation and they are far away, suddenly the child has a difficult time playing. They're worried. They don't know where mom or dad are. They don't know what to do. And so they're worried about what's happening, what's going on, where's mommy and daddy? And then she connected to the way in which we pray. How much better are our prayers when we know that our Heavenly Father is standing right here, that we trust in him, that he gives us Everything that we need, that he is present, that he loves us, that he forgives us, that he is here with us and for us. When we think God is far away and we're praying, then, then we try to take all the burden upon ourselves. We try to do everything on our own. We fail to rely on him and trust in him. But as Jesus says, our prayer is to be with our Father present, knowing that our loving Father gives us what we need as his dear, loving children. And so these first three petitions in this prayer that he teaches us to pray are prayed in humility. Humility before God's name, hallowed be thy name. Humility before God's kingdom, thy kingdom come. And humility before God's will, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The model prayer that Jesus gives us doesn't have all these lengthy, run-on sentences. It doesn't have all this newsy background where we try to inform God of things that he already knows. But the Lord's Prayer has all these short, simple sentences, phrases, and requests. We pray for our everyday needs. We pray for forgiveness. We pray for strength in temptation, and we pray for deliverance from evil and from the evil one. And then Jesus does much the same thing with the practice of fasting. The wrong way to fast is to put on this miserable face, to disfigure your face in public, to show how difficult it is, how hungry you are, and just how pious you are. But the right way to fast is very similar to the right way to pray, to do so privately. And along the way of fasting, Jesus again promises great rewards as we give up the material to focus on the spiritual. And those rewards are rooted deep and deeply in a relationship that we have with the Heavenly Father who is near and present and loves and forgives. Jesus practiced these things here on earth. He practiced prayer and fasting. He practiced it in his favorite secret places of prayer. And and one of those secret lonely places, as we remember in this season of Lent, was in the Garden of Gethsemane itself. And there, in blood and sweat, he took the third petition of the Lord's Prayer to its deepest level. Remember how Jesus did that? Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. And so his prayer and his fasting took him following right after the Father's will to the point of death and the cross. Ours is meant to do the same. Our prayer takes us to the death of Jesus on the cross. Forgiven, we pray. We pray to a Savior who loves. We pray to a God who is near. There's often a wrong way and a right way to put things together, like we learned from Ikea. Same thing is true for prayer and fasting. Jesus, we see tonight, shows us how to do it right. Amen.